With the eyes, it's nine different principles. One is deep relaxation of the eyes. The other one is adaptation to different light amplitude and frequencies. The other one is to look at details because the macula, which is the center part of the retina, only sees small details. You think you see my whole face, but actually look from point to point to see it well. And the less you look from point to point, like they're doing in speed reading, where they get you to picture a whole page at once, that's a mistake. Uh, we need to look from area to area. You know, I'm thinking that in the past, people used to read poems and they used to read the same page again and again. These days, people read prose and as quickly as they can, if they read these days, you know. And uh, uh, it means they're looking at once at too much. They, we have so much information and so little absorption of it, you know. And that is the sign of the times. Now, we don't look enough with the central point. And not looking leads to a destruction of that central point. And that means death of the macula. And take a look what is the main reason for blindness in this world, macular degeneration. You just heard the voice of Mahir Schneider, who was born with cataracts to deaf parents. After five unsuccessful surgeries, on the lenses of his eyes, which left them shattered and filled with scar tissue. Doctors pronounced his condition hopeless and he was certified legally blind. Mahir went on to correct his eyesight naturally and now helps people all over the world to improve their vision naturally without the need for glasses, contacts or dangerous surgeries. Whether you are farsighted, nearsighted or have better than 20-20 vision, you will want to stick around because in this episode, you will learn exactly how you can improve your eyesight completely naturally. Welcome to the show. My name is Ali West and since 2008, I have been working in the health and fitness industry. In the space of just under 10 years, I went from being a glorified treadmill cleaner to the owner of my own 9,000 square foot gym, Kinetic Fitness, here in Nottingham in the United Kingdom. Plus, helping thousands of people along the way, both offline and online, to improve their health and well-being. Since 2015, I've been on my own journey of self-discovery, learning how to improve, optimize, and master my mental, physical, and spiritual health on the deepest levels. Now I want to help you do the same by sharing my own wisdom and the wisdom of some of the brightest minds in health, fitness, nutrition, biohacking and spirituality so you can become optimally healthy in your mind, body and spirit. If you're ready, then let the show begin. Hello and welcome to the Kinetic Fitness Show, where we inspire you to live a longer, healthier, happy and more joyful life. We cover everything you need to know to be optimally healthy in your mind, body and spirit. Are you ready to become the ultimate version of yourself? Well, let's dive into another episode with your host and guide by your side, Allie West. Welcome to episode 119 of the Kinetic Fitness Show. In today's episode, you will learn exactly how you can improve all areas of your vision completely naturally. By the end of this episode, you will have the knowledge, power and confidence 
to ditch your glasses and contact lenses and improve your eyesight forever. My guest today is an incredible man who loves to help others. Before we get fully immersed in today's episode, I would just like to take this time to mention the sponsors of the show. I'd love for you to listen to this part as you will learn how you can get some incredible discounts from our sponsors to improve your own health and well-being. But if you do decide to skip over this part, then all the links to our sponsors and all the discount codes can be found in the description of this podcast episode. Our first sponsor is Pure Himalayan Shilajit. Shilajit is an ancient mineral from the Himalayas, which has been used in the East for its powerful benefits for thousands of years. Shilajit helps to increase your energy and mental performance, plus many other benefits. I've been using Shilajit for a while and I've noticed improvements in my cognitive performance and energy levels. I'd love for you to benefit from this powerful ancient mineral. So I've partnered up with my good friends at purehimalayanshilajit.com and they are offering every listener of the show a 15% discount off any order of Shilajit. Simply hit the link in the description of this podcast, place an order and bang in the code AliWest at checkout. That's AliWest, A-L-I-W-E-S-T to bag your incredible discount. Our second sponsor is Mudo Health. Mudo are a DNA testing company and they make testing your DNA and getting your own genetic profile super easy. All you do is you order your testing kit from their site, it's mailed out to you, you take a simple saliva test, send it back to their lab And within a couple of weeks, you will get a breakdown of your genetic health with over 90 plus reports on your DNA and how you can make improvements to your genetic health on the deepest levels. All laid out in an easy, user-friendly mobile application. Mudo has revolutionized my health, my client's health, and also my family's health. That's why I've partnered up with the guys at Mudo to help the listeners of the Kinetic Fitness Show improve their DNA health as well. They are offering all listeners of the show an amazing 20% off any DNA kit purchase. Simply hit the link in the description, add your kit to the basket and use the code ALDNA at checkout. That's ALDNA at checkout. A-L-D-N-A to get your incredible discount. My guest today then is Mahir Schneider. Mahir was born with cataracts, glaucoma, astigmatism, and nystagmus. After five unsuccessful surgeries on the lenses of his eyes, which left them shattered and filled with scar tissue, doctors told him and his family that his condition was completely hopeless and he was certified legally blind. Mahir performed his reading at school in Braille. At the age of 17, Mahir learned the Bates method of eye exercises. He practiced them diligently up to 13 hours a day, undeterred by the skepticism of his family and friends. To this, he added his own regimen of self-massage and movement. Within six months, he could recognize visual objects for the first time. Within 18 months, he could read print without glasses. His vision continued to improve and today he is 2080 and holds a current unrestricted Californian driver's license. During Mahir's recovery process, while still a teenager, he began to help others with a wide range of degenerative conditions, such as polio, muscular dystrophy, and multiple sclerosis. 
He found that the same principles which enabled him to gain functional eyesight could be applied to the entire body. His discoveries led to the creation of the Meher Schneider method of self-healing through bodywork and movement, helping tens of thousands of people with serious physical and visual conditions all over the world. An internationally respected therapist and educator, Meher is the founder and director of the School for Self-Healing in San Francisco. He is also the author of the books, The Natural Vision Improvement Kit, Movement for Self-Healing, Yoga for Your Eyes, Meher Schneider's Miracle Eyesight Method, Self-Healing, My Life and Vision, and the principal author of the Handbook of Self-Healing. He was awarded a PhD in the healing arts for his work with muscular dystrophy. So what will you learn in this episode and what are some of the key takeaways? Well, firstly, you will learn all about Mahir's story, from being born virtually blind to deaf parents to correcting his eyesight naturally. You'll find out Mahir's nine principles for improving your eyesight naturally. You'll find out the reasons why your eyesight deteriorates. You'll also find out the reasons why we are told and led to believe that we can't improve or correct our eyesight naturally. You'll find out why it's so important to relax your eyes and rest your eyes regularly. You'll also learn why you should integrate the body with the eyes to improve your eyesight. You'll find out why you shouldn't wear sunglasses. You'll also hear some of Mahir's amazing success stories. Mahir shares his three top tips to improve your eyesight immediately, plus much, much more. This is an amazing episode, which I learned so much from. I am actually short-sighted and it's my mission and one of my goals at the moment to improve, correct and fix my eyesight naturally. And speaking to Mahir has helped me start my journey towards improving my eyesight. And I know that it can do the same for you. If you do enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends and family, particularly those ones that need to improve their eyesight and also share it to your social media. Tag me in it, Ali West Coach, and tag Mahir at the School for Self-Healing, and we will share it with our friends and followers as well. Also, if you can leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, please do leave me a review. Reviews help me to grow and inspire more people. Now it's time to bring in my incredible guest, Mr. Mahir Schneider. Hello, Mahir. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. How are you doing? Wonderful. I feel honored to be on your show. Oh, it's an honor to have you on. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, this conversation and to picking your brain and diving into some of your knowledge and expertise around the topic of eyesight and how we can improve it. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to it. I really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to speak to me. I think a good starting point for, for the podcast is to give uh, everyone a little bit of a, um, a backstory, your story, uh, who you are and where you've come from and what you do now. And we'll go from there because I know you've got a very, uh, a very interesting story. So I'd love for you to share that to start with. So my name is Meir Schneider and uh, this, my story is my life, basically. I was born with cataracts. Do you know, Ali, what cataract is? Uh, not exactly. I, I know how it affects the eyes, but I don't know the exact mechanisms of it. Cataract is an opacity of the lens. 
Uh, my opacity was so great when I was born uh, that they, they made some surgeries and they were trying to move, uh, to take away the opacity itself. And the rest of the, scar, of the lens became scar tissue. So 99% of my lens became scar tissue and only 1% allowed light to go through. So basically to show you, this is a normal lens, okay? This is mine after five cataract surgeries. Big difference. Normal versus mine. So then what happened was that after five cataract surgeries, I was declared legally blind. I had, I wouldn't really see your face. I wouldn't even know you have a nose. I would just see a halo, basically. And I wouldn't actually see this computer. It was too small to see. I would see that I have a furniture versus a wall in front of me. That was my vision. And I was living in the world of Braille. And what was interesting, my parents were deaf. So I was known to be the son of Ida and Abraham uh, in the, among the deaf community in uh, Tel Aviv, basically. And then I discovered the Bates method of eye exercises. And I developed it way further for it was. And I had an, a peculiar instructor. He was a 16-year-old, a high school dropout that read few books and decided that he wants to convert the Bates method to my specific needs. But then I have improved it way further. And I've written all about it in my book, Movement for Self-Healing. You'd see how I evolved into doing this work. My latest book, however, I have two latest books. One of them is called Vision for Life, which is a bestseller worldwide. And another one, which is called Awakening Your Power of Self-Healing with 600 exercises for different needs of the body. But that is much later development. I have the School for Self-Healing, that were a wonderful place by the beach, very nicely built. Uh, the Board of Supervisors of San Francisco gave us the right to be by the beach in a residential area where normally they don't give anyone the right to do that. And we've done it. So I'm, I'm uh, extremely happy that, uh, uh, that we did it that way. But in that time, I was sinking into the world of Braille. I loved reading. I was the quickest reader in the state of Israel already in sixth grade. And I would read and read and read. And when I was given the chance to work on my eyes, I did it. And to explain what I did is, first of all, I was wearing very dark lenses for two reasons. One is light really bothered me, but the other one was people did not like to see how my eyes are moving quickly from place to place. Like if you would see Stevie Wonder, the eyes were moving like this. It's called nystagmus. And so I was doing an exercise, which I invite many people to do, which is called palming, where I would rub my hands and put my hands over my eye orbits and visualize if I'm seeing complete darkness. And I couldn't. My optic nerve was so irritable that it took hours to even see dark. But I was persistent. 
Because my parents were deaf and I was in love of rock and roll at the age of 17, you know, they didn't hear. Although in that time, rock and roll was more quiet, like Joe Cocker and, you know, uh, the Beatles, stuff of that nature. So it's easy rock for today, but some of it was pretty loud, you know. So, uh, so, but I still um, pumped, listened to heavy music that relaxed me. And within three months, the eyes stopped moving so quickly. They move instead of moving 300 times per minute because you couldn't focus on anything. And the reason is, that's what happens when you're born with cataracts and you're not operated on time. I know it. My two kids were born with cataracts. So it's genetic from my side. And they were operated at the age of two weeks. And then they had much, they still had some nystagmus, especially my daughter, but much less than I did. But the optic nerve was irritable by the light that came in. And the light had no significant meaning to my brain. And that nystagmus was really, really tough on my visual system. But as I relaxed and the nystagmus decreased, I was able to look at general details. Now, I wouldn't exactly see the computer, but see some color, a little bit of things around, and I would see that it exists. So I improved my vision then from 1% to 4%, right? And the next thing that I've done is exercise called sunning where I would close my eyes, and let's say my fist is the sun, and I would move my head all the way from side to side, and uh, as I would move my way to the center, the uh, pupils would constrict, and I would move away, they would relax. And the constriction and the relaxation uh, led to activity, wonderful activity within the pupils. And that uh, wonderful activity started to wake up my ability to see. I got rid of the dark lenses. Now, I must tell you, some of my friends in high school told me, and you remember, I was in high school age in that time, you know, told me, put your glasses back on. You look so ugly. Your face is so ugly, I like to punch it because my eyes were still moving. Just not 300 movements per minute, 60 movements per minute, okay? And now they move between 0 and 12. You know, really have decreased it dramatically. Uh, but I kept it all. Some, some cops stopped me in the street, thought I was on drugs because of the movement of the eyes, you know. Uh, but that was the next step. And then I've learned that the way that I looked at the world as if the whole world was one smudge. The whole world was one thing for me. And I've learned to look at details. The head is narrower than the shoulders. The upper body is different than the legs. Slowly I learned to look from detail to detail, detail to detail, detail to detail. And at the end, I built up enough vision to read, write, and drive. I drive these days. And I'm not sure that every country would give me a driver's license. In California, they're a little bit lower bars than in other countries. But still, uh, the DMV tested me in the daytime, at night, found that I can drive. In the meantime, I've met people. That's what I've, again, I've written in my first book, uh, Movement for Self-Healing. It's based on my book. Some of the audience may know my book, Self-Healing, My Life and Vision. But in that book, I explain it. I'm, I, my teacher, who, uh, who, I mean, I had two teachers, but I had the older teacher 
who, who taught me movement and taught me how movement is a big part of life. So I met with other people that I worked with and learned to work with. One lady was polio who taught me uh, some wonderful massage techniques to help paralysis. And we worked together on somebody with muscular dystrophy. The story is too long for the one hour uh, discussion that we have. But in general, I've learned how the whole body can change. And so I developed several principles. The principles for the body are simpler. And this is, you use muscles you never used before. We have more than 600 muscles. We use between 50 and 75 of them, and we overstrain them. I just met yesterday a nice construction guy who works here. His muscles are always sore. He's playing sports, rugby, you know. But what I'm, what he needed to learn is to use muscles he never used before. And we have more of them than the ones we always use. So if we learn to use the muscles we never used, and then integrate them with the muscles we always use, and work neurologically on creating that connection, we make a huge difference in our life. People can live longer, pain-free, without arthritis, without many internal illnesses that they have. And that's a whole new development because in sports, you learn to overstrain what you already always strain. So the question is, when will you be exhausted and be able to do nothing? <laughs> and, you know, for most athletes, it's around the age of 50 or 60. When actually, uh, the athletic itself is good if you learn to compensate for what you don't use and if you learn to use your muscles in isolations. That's for the body. Uh, so connecting between the brain and the body. Uh, with the eyes, it's nine different principles. One is deep relaxation of the eyes. The other one is adaptation to different light amplitude and frequencies. The other one is to look at details. Because the macula, which is the center part of the retina, only sees small details. You think you see my whole face, but actually look from point to point to see it well. And the less you look from point to point, like they're doing in speed reading, where they get you to picture a whole page at once, that's a mistake. Uh, we need to look from area to area. I, you know, I'm thinking that in the past, people used to read poems and they used to read the same page again and again. These days, people read prose and as quickly as they can, if they read these days, you know. And uh, uh, it means they're looking at once at too much. The, we have so much information and so little absorption of it, you know. And that is the sign of the times. Now, we don't look enough with the central point. And not looking leads to a destruction of that central point. And that means death of the macula. And take a look what is the main reason for blindness in this world, macular degeneration. And so looking from detail to detail sharpens your vision. And we have many wonderful techniques to do that. And that is in my book, Vision for Life. Okay, That was the biggest invention of Dr. Bates, who was a genius in that sense. But he didn't develop it enough. And I think that I did. And several other people did as well. And so I think it's very good for people to start and work with that with my webinars. Uh, they are on our website. And they can really uh, uh, download them and 
and work with them diligently because we lost it. We lost the, the tendency to look at details. Now, the next principle is distance vision because you and I right now are looking at a computer and I'm happy that we have a discussion. But then your eyes were meant to be eyes of hunter, eyes of um, somebody who looks far at a distance. Uh, and these days, and as of a couple hundred years ago, not long in human history, we look nearer and nearer. And the nearer we look, the worse it was for us. And you could see in a, a typical Eskimo village in the 50s, where the grandparents had perfect vision. Then their uh, uh, fathers and mothers, especially fathers, had to work uh, for the white people and work in ships and and look at letters, and some of them start to have poor vision. And the kids, a big portion of them had poor vision. Now, look how many people have problems. I mean, after this lockdown, so many people have eye problems these days. It's amazing. So we need to understand the distance viewing is essential for, for healthy eyes. And we need to look at a distance 20 minutes a day in intervals of four or six minutes. And the reason for cataracts is not enough distance vision. The lens doesn't have enough movement. The lens is flat when you look at a distance, round when you look from near, and it's too round, doesn't move enough, becomes stiff, and with time basically is uh, starting to be opaque instead of transparent and rigid. And that's why there are so many cataract surgeries. And I would like to save people's lens because there could be some bad consequences to the surgeries. And then the next principle that I was talking about is peripheral vision. You and I looking at a computer, before you know, most people don't have a sense of a ceiling, floor, doors, <laughs> everything around them. And when people walk in the street looking at their phones, the rest of the world doesn't exist. And if they sit in a tube, and they're looking on the phone. The rest of the world doesn't exist either. They don't know who comes and who goes. It's good they find the stop, you know. But what I'm saying is, take a person like this to the jungle, looking at the phone like that, and within two days he'll be eaten. You know, you have to have periphery. So we have wonderful peripheral exercise. Some of them is that um, we put a, a paper in front of the eye, block the central vision, so then we're able to have a sense of the periphery. That's what we do. And so we block the central vision and we wave the hands to the side. So like I would wave my two hands to the side and I would have a sense of periphery because periphery, external periphery, the central periphery, the central periphery is like this. I'm looking at your face, but if I want to see one of your eyes or look at your beard or look at anything, then your face is where the central periphery is. Then there's more and more periphery around. And then there's a very extreme periphery. And there are 120 million cells in the periphery. And we use only 80 million of them because we don't ever use the very central periphery because we don't have dark nights. The periphery is being well used at nights. And we don't have the need for the alertness that our ancestors used to have in the jungle. They used to, if they didn't have their extreme periphery, they wouldn't have a sense that there's an animal out there that wants to eat them. Or there's an animal out there they want to eat. They would either starve or die because something would eat them. So 
uh, the the extreme periphery, which has basically rot cells, needs to be activated, and we need to activate. And the, if we don't do it, we have pressure on the visual system, and one of the main problems that come from it is glaucoma, uh, that leads to pressure of the eye and death of the optic nerve. And then the next principle is balanced use of the eyes. And I tell you, that is something so important to work on because whenever the eyes are under stress, one is always stronger than the other, dominates the other big time, and suppresses the work of the other. And that I understood at a very young age when I worked also on the body, like, you know, physical therapists work with polio patients by uh, forcing them to use the strong limbs they have. And you understand why. They want them to cut vegetables, they want them to be able to drive. But then within 10 years, the whole system would collapse. They would have post-polio syndrome. Not only they had new polio symptoms, they also had heart problems. They would lose more nerves. I had the instinct of teaching people with post-polio to, te to work their weak limbs. And I sometimes only gained 1% mobility. Sometimes I gained 65% mobility. A person couldn't necessarily, let's say, bend, bend their arm. Well, I would bend their arm and I would get them to move it back and forth. So would, they would do a movement they normally would not do. And slowly, slowly, they could actually bend it a bit. Okay, so the point that I'm saying here is that uh, what we need to understand is the same thing is true about the eyes. You sometimes overwork one eye and hardly work the other eye, which overloads the eye that you overwork, weakens the eye you underwork, and that's how you lose your system. And then the next principle is, uh, uh, is balance use within each eye because we don't even know that parts of the eyes don't work enough. And of course, the next one is um, uh, body and eye coordination. And the last is more blood flow to the visual system. And 85% of all blindness in old age comes because of poor blood to the visual system. If you don't get enough blood, then the uh, uh, blood flow, then the retina creates capillaries to compensate for not enough blood flow. Those capillaries bleed and hemorrhage the retina and cause a gazillion amount of problems from uh, neovascularization <laughs> to all kinds of uh, bleeding in the macula and others. Uh, also, I think glaucoma is affected by not enough blood flow to the optic nerve. So nine, those nine principles, uh, those of you who will uh, play this again can listen to them, but please read them in this book uh, or in my book, uh, Awakening, or and, I would say or and, best best to get the books as well. Uh, it's time to read a little bit these days, you know, uh, but also get the webinars. We have explained them pretty well in our webinars, which you can download from our website, www.self-healing.org. And then my life story. You know, in my life, I worked with people with paralysis, people with back problems, and of course, with people with visual problems. And I just want to describe you one interesting case. There's a girl who was 18 who came to me from Alberta, uh, Canada, to San Francisco. And she complained that she has vision of about 40% in her left eye. It's 20, uh, sorry, 20% in the left eye, 2200. And 0% in the right eye, except that she sees colors. 
So we sat down and chatted and uh, had fun with each other. And boom, she saw 40% in the chart. And the mother said, we went to all the specialists in Canada and she didn't, she didn't see better than 20%. I said, well, she didn't relax near them. Then we went to a dark room. We patched with a couple of patches the left eye that sees and start to have lights that blink, which is my normal work with people who don't see details. We start with light. I just worked with someone before I worked with you. He lost some of his uh, areas of vision and we did blinking light and immediately saw better. But we got her to look at blinking light. What surprised me is that within a short time she could see the lamp itself because that normally doesn't happen to those kind of legal blindness. But within five minutes, she could see people's features. I had her mother, myself, two of my uh, interns, and she could see their faces. And I said, that's amazing, because that was considered to be a blind eye. All those doctors thought it was a blind eye. Her parents thought it was a blind eye. She thought it was a blind eye, and actually it was a lazy eye. And... We ended up measuring that eventually she could see 5% with that eye. I immediately got her to go on a trampoline with two patches on the left eye. And so she wouldn't see even light from there. Bounce, catch balls, throw balls, walk around the street, look at signs. And she developed vision in the eye that never looked. Wow. And that shows you where we are. We have a latent potential in the body and in the eyes that we don't wisely use. And all we're trying is to get the magic pill, the magic surgery, the magic this and the magic that. And there's, I think we should develop the inner forces that we have to have better vision, better body function. And that's why I'm so happy to be interviewed. Yeah, and you've... And ultimately, you've got to do the work as well, haven't you? You can't, you can't just go for the, the magic pill or the silver bullet. You've got to do the necessary work to make the improvements. No question. And people ask me, well, there's so much work to do in order to see. I said, well, think about this. You don't do the work, and then you spend hours at the doctor's office. You know, uh, Ali, the only problem I want you to have when you're 88 the only eye problem I want you to have when you're 88 is driving your best friends to the ophthalmologist's office. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So, Mir, with the um, with the principles that you mentioned, and you've almost gone into how we can have problems with our sight with that. Is is it the same across the board? with no matter what the the eye issue is so obviously we have nearsightedness and long-sightedness is the principles the same for each one or do they differ um depending on what the eye issue is the principles are the same the exercise could be slightly different so yeah. there's no difference i mean uh, vitality is vitality all eyes need rest if they don't rest well enough and these days people don't have enough sleep and these days people look too much from near and this day people strain their eyes beyond their knowledge you know there was a french author who said your body is your house you're the landlord and a long time ago you lost the keys i think we're all that way 
So the, the truth is, we don't even feel how fatigued we are. So resting the eyes with this wonderful exercise of palming is a must. But then it has to be with hands that are not nervous, not upset or anything. Resting to look, uh, resting by looking from far, from the fact that we used to look from near, is a must. But people don't do that. I mean, we drive, but it's not the same thing. Because people used to, you know, today we read the newspaper or look at YouTube channels. But in the past, the news for most people was looking at the jungle, looking what's around them and responding to what they see. But in the presence, you know, we don't look at a distance enough. And uh, uh, from what city you are? Are you from London or another city? Nottingham. Nottingham. Yeah. I'm sure at Nottingham, you have some hills where you can look at, at different wonderful places there. Yeah. Well, we are, our school is by the beach of San Francisco, Ocean Beach. And I hope, hope one of these days you can visit us and see the, um, the wonderful view we have here. And we fought very hard to get our, the right to be here. But it's so beautiful to look at the waves and look at the, at the ocean, look at everything. That's just a fantastic thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that's the big deal. That what I'm saying is looking and uh, uh, and looking at the distance, that was the newspaper of our ancestors. Right now, nothing motivates us to do that. Yeah. And and we need to start and do that. Uh, again, when you drive, unless you're going to a forgotten highway somewhere. You need to look at your mirrors. You need to look a few yards ahead, a few yards behind, uh, and things of that nature. You don't really, in a calm way, look around. So those principles are true for everyone. I worked right now on a person who became legally blind because he got stroke from COVID. And again, and you know, most people don't understand that most of the problems with COVID, those who have problems, is because something was already weak in the system yeah. and COVID exacerbated that, basically. It could be anything else that would exacerbate what's weak in the system. It could be a flu. It could be a bad mood. It could be anything, you know. But uh, that's that, that's basically what happens because so many people recover from, from it pretty good, you know, but he didn't. He, he got a stroke. And he lost most of his vision and doctors had no hope for it. And today, today he was able to see letters and numbers. It was the uh, first time he saw pretty small numbers uh, since we started to work. He's in Mexico, so we're working together on this. And it's wonderful how he uh, got his optic nerve to wake up. There's more work to do. We have a lot more work to do, but we walk it up a lot. And so the principles are the same for the legal blind person and for the person with eagle eyes, who sees uh, better than 2020, better than 100%, and wants to see even better. They remain the same. I mean, whether you are an old person who needs to take his cane and walk, you still need to work on your breathing when you walk, don't you? Yeah. Or whether you are a runner of miles and miles, you still need to work on your breathing, right? Yeah. So they both need oxygen. The one person's achievement could be that he can run for 40 miles, right? The other person's achievement could be that he can walk for two blocks. For both of them, uh, it's a huge achievement because that, that fast 
That first one could hardly cross his room. And now he can walk for two blocks. I had a bunch of those, you know. The other one, you know, he could run for uh, 10 miles, and now he's running for four, four, 40 miles. It's huge. But both of them have to work on the same thing, on relaxation, on breathing. I think runners have to learn to relax their joints and to move in a good way. Same thing is with vision. Yeah. So we, you need to adapt your eyes to the sun and not wear sunglasses. You can have a visor. But it doesn't matter if you're nearsighted or farsighted. Although the exercise for nearsighted would be different. For example, and I met a nearsighted kid right now. And I only want him to work from five feet. Because anything above five feet, he actually can't see. So if I want him to improve, he needs to see an extra line from five feet. But then when I work with this farsighted person, he can see everything from 20 feet. If I want to work on him improving his far far vision, it will all be from 20 feet. But in terms of reading, I may give him bigger letters and then slightly smaller to adapt to them. So everybody needs different exercise. The principles are the same. Yep, 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 yep. Makes sense. Makes complete sense. When When you say all of this, Mir, it sounds so simple and so easy and it makes complete sense because as you say if we want to train a muscle to get bigger we we do more of the exercise that's going to get that muscle bigger or if we want to run further we do more running to build our cardiovascular fitness so my question i think is why do we not do the same for our eyes why is it that we oh we have to wear glasses or we have to wear contact lenses or you have to go and get this surgery why do we not look at eyes in the same way as every other um, part of our body because of poor concept that it cannot be done because that concept i can tell you that uh, whenever i teach a six-day class at the end of that class normally 90 percent of the people see two or three lines better on the chart uh, and so uh, whenever I want to get research done on me, it's being blocked, you know. So uh, in, in my opinion, the reason is that simple. The concept is you cannot improve the vision. Doctors are comfortable with the concept because they give people glasses. And that's that. But then let me tell you a small story. Um, uh, of An ophthalmologist, okay. Uh, a, a woman brought her 15-year-old daughter to an ophthalmologist to put glasses on because she couldn't see anymore the board in class. Yeah. The ophthalmologist asked the woman, uh, how much does your daughter play outdoors? So the woman said, she's all day long in front of the computer. He said, ask her to play outdoors often. She did, she came two months later, there was no need for glasses. Reading on the board was easy. So. That's a small case. I mean, he didn't necessarily believe in eye exercises, but he understood that she's doing something in her life that doesn't work. Now, we have more and more optometrists and ophthalmologists, although very small in relative number, but big in absolute number. More and more of them are coming who are saying, hey, other situations could happen. We could improve our vision. That's the big deal. And if people learn to do the sunning exercise that we teach, where you close your eyes and you move your head all the way from side to side, the palming exercise we teach, they would learn to look at the world with no stress, but with an interest in details. The world will change. It will be a whole different world. We would would, uh, start to see that we can see better, just like we can build muscles. But 
just bring it into the muscle building. I want people to be aware that they build some muscles, but they neglect others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so the idea is let go of the ones you overbuilt just so you would look more handsome or just so you'd be able to achieve something specific. Your achievement would be to build more muscles. Like in my training courses, we walk and run backwards, sideways, not only forwards, okay? Uh, we use muscles that we never used before. And the result is no arthritis. What good is it if you use the muscles in a narrow way and then you can't move them because you can't move your joints, Yeah. right? So if what you earned is arthritis from over weightlifting, you earn nothing. And so it's important that you would work on your body wisely. Same thing is was the eyes. After I will have the interview with you, I'll stretch my back. I'm sitting all this hour before you are set for two hours, you know, yeah. working with that guy. But I always stand up and stretch my back, put, I take my leg backwards and stretch and stretch my chest. That's important. Chair is your biggest enemy. Sitting on a chair is very bad for your back. Shoes are your enemies. Walking with shoes on cement is very hard for your whole joint system. But yet we do it all day long. So compensating for it, I take I run on the beach bare feet. Uh, or I walk in an unlevel surface. And people can walk in the park and feel the different grass and stones and gravel. That's so important. So same thing is with vision. You cannot not lose your vision if you overstrain the eyes and repeat your strain. That's why the nine principles are so important. They are principles of awareness. And then we live life of awareness and it's much fuller. Yeah. So let's let's use myself as an example. So currently, this is another reason for wanting to speak to you. Currently, I wear contact lenses and I sometimes wear glasses and I'm like minus 275 in my left eye, minus 225 in my right eye. So if I was working with you and I started um, um, performing some of these exercises, would I ditch my contacts and glasses straight away or do I continue to use them whilst I'm uh, working? So the way, the way we work is that you use them first i prefer your glasses on your contacts yeah because you can also put them in the pocket and i would want you to be without your glasses and accept that your vision is poor you know not try to see without them what you see with them but get accustomed to not seeing with them we have also pinhole glasses where you can see better through them because they help your pupils yeah and you don't ditch your glasses. What you do is you go to a good optometrist and you get a smaller prescription where you see 80% of what you see with the glasses. So in a dark, foggy night, you drive with the full prescription. But the rest of the time, you have partial prescription because with 20-40 or with 80% of normal vision, you can drive by all DMVs in the world, basically. So you wear glasses which are a little bit less um, strong, but you put them in the pocket. You use them as an instrument. There was one lady who was very farsighted, not nearsighted like you, but opposite than that. You know, she didn't have myopia, but hyperopia. Uh, uh, or, uh, so what she did is 
she put one pair of glasses in her dashboard to drive with, one pair of glasses near the computer to see with. Three years later, she did not need the glasses in her car. And five years later, she did not need her glasses near the computer. And she decreased her diopters from 18 to 2. 18 to 2, 16 diopters less. My daughter decreased her diopters from 33 to 14. Okay? Because she was born with cataracts, doesn't have a lens. What I would like to tell you is no, I don't want you to ditch your glasses, but decrease their use. Yeah. Put them in your pocket, decrease their strength to some extent, so you're still very functional. Have the pinhole to replace glasses sometimes because that helps you see things like, you know, if you look through a hole, you know, those those glasses are, are very, very nice. I don't know if I can find them immediately right now, but they're in my drawer here somewhere. Uh, yeah. But those pinholes can be very, very helpful. And have a, a, a time. And I would assume that within a year and a half or so, you would be glasses free, completely free. Wow. Because you, uh, this is the pinholes. If I look through the pinholes, everything is way clearer. Yeah. Okay? So using those pinholes. And, and so you, it does take work. It does take effort. You, first of all, want to manage the fact that without feeling it, you tire your eyes. So to actually detect that and not let them get tired. Then you want to manage the fact that you sometimes could be light sensitive. So the exercise of sunning can help you absorb light easier. I mean, I have nothing against driving with sunglasses to a sunset or a sunrise, which is straight in your eyes. Okay. Other than that, don't wear them. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, unless you want to go to a party and you don't want anyone to know you. <laughs> but, but basically every uh, week now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but what i'm saying is uh i'm against disturbing the light that came to our eyes for two million years yeah to to not come to the eyes and uh the next the next thing is learning to look at details paying attention to the periphery it's going to enhance your life it's not only that eye exercises are fun to do, the life feels richer. I remember when I started to work on my eyes, I felt like every day is so much more wonderful. I had some crises, then it didn't, but it felt like second birth. I was reborn when I was just a little bit less than 17. Yeah. <clears throat> Basically. Yeah, and I hate as well putting in contact lenses and taking them out and all. Oh, I just, it's a nightmare. I just hate the whole process of it. So, for me, if I can eliminate them, then life would be, as you say, much better. And it's it's made me really think as well, speaking to you and, and, and watching your videos as well, of, of it's the one thing when it comes to my health that I haven't worked on when I when I really should. So I feel like the time's now because I've done my best to, to improve and master everything else. So why not do my eyesight? It, it makes logical sense now to improve my eyesight. You know, a big portion of the energy that you have is in your senses. The senses direct your posture. If you are nearsighted, normally you put the head down. Take a look at how all the politicians, you look at them in the, in the TV, they're like this, you know. And that, you know, every centimeter that you put the head down is 10 times the effort of putting yeah. it straight. It should be so straight that if I put my book, it doesn't fall. 
Okay? So, uh, you know, in, in the Middle East, some Arab women used to walk with a jug on the head. It was the husband on the donkey, you know, they would walk with a jug on the head. The jug would not fall. Okay? So, that ability with the nuche ligament in the back of the head to just be neutral, so important. Looking at a distance helps your neck big time. And I don't think that you can fix someone's neck without also working on better vision and without compensating by looking at a distance. Yeah. And I think that the suspensory ligament of the lens and the nuchal ligament of the neck have a lot of connection with each other. Yeah, and- well, yeah, because I say this to my clients and the people that I work with in the gym because my wife and I, we own a gym. Um, and I say them in the gym, I say the body will go where the eyes go because a lot of people, I get them doing exercises and they're, they're moving, but they're not moving the eyes or moving the head. I'm like, look, move your, move your head and move your eyes as well because the body will follow. So this, yeah, this makes sense. You have kinesthetic awareness. The world is poor in it. The world is more rigid. A, B, C, do this, do that, do that. That is not the art of working on the body. Yeah. The work the art of working on the body is discovery. Discover what doesn't move and move it. This for example, you can tell people to do a lot of wraps, right? But tell them to lift weights to the side and you're going to feel, feel some weak muscles there, right? So the point is the real thing that people have to understand, you don't kill your body to the point that you can't button your shirt. You know, you don't make it so rigid you work with pleasure you don't work just to achieve you work with pleasure of making yourself stronger but at the same time more flexible and finding somewhere the amicable place where both are as important you work on the muscles you always use but then you try to discover let me tell you something give me the strongest athlete ask them to move their toes one by one can't they can't. Yeah. And yet some people can draw with the toes. Some people can, uh, I know, I heard of somebody who could put diapers on her uh, on her infant with the toes. Why? I mean, normally it's out of need because they were born, you know, with small arms or no arms and they learn how to do that, to have flexible hips and move with the toes. Um, and, you know, I read Braille, you know, but most people who uh, uh, would feel the Braille would not make any sense out of it because we didn't learn to to build the sense of touch so much. So what you're talking intuitively is about integration of the eyes with the body, integration of the ears with the body too. And we have learned to overload the visual sense and not feel enough. We learn to overload the visual sense and not listen enough. And we have to have an exercise of listening, not dictating. That's the big thing. And people don't understand that. And uh, they're lucky that you're running the gym because you have some intuitive feeling that they don't have. And I I would like to reward you and send you my book, Awakening Your Power of Self-Healing. So send us your address. Yeah, thank you so much. I want you to look at it. I I want to read all of the books because I'm fascinated by this stuff and I really want to improve my eyesight. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to digging into that. And and we'll we'll send you some free uh, uh, download on uh, 
on three of our uh, of four uh, of five of our videos. We'll send you a download of five of our videos. Start to work with them diligently. You'll make a big yeah. difference. Definitely, definitely. The next thing is a it's a little bit off to the side a little bit. But the next question I wanted to ask is, we've mentioned exercises and different principles and routines we can do to improve our eyesight. But are there any kind of foods or supplements that, that one can take to improve their eyesight? Is that something you work with people on or or does, does, does that not? I don't, it? but unless I have to, I don't, unless I have to. For, so for okay. example, if somebody got a stroke because of the optic nerve or, or the visual, I definitely tell them, hey, you got to change your diet. I believe in antioxidants, but yeah. you know why we need an antioxidant, right? Because oxidizing is a very natural thing to the body, right? Um, oxidation is very natural in that uh, if you see an apple, you bite the piece of the apple, then you see the apple becomes dark if you didn't bite the next piece within 10 minutes, right? So that's oxidation. Energy leads to oxidation. But the problem is that when you don't have enough good blood flow, you don't get rid of the radicals and you don't get them into your system. So uh, to begin with, the biggest belief I have is that whatever you eat, you should easily digest. Otherwise, you're putting a lot of energy into digestion. So yeah, digestive system is important. You have a hundred million nerve fibers in the and neurons in the digestive system. Uh, each one of those organs have almost a whole mechanism of its own. It's a very important thing, but if you eat in such a way that makes you feel heavy again and again, that's very bad for your eyes because the eyes are far and they need the blood. And so that's very important. So I have a big, I mean, I'm a carrot drinker, you know, and stuff of that nature, you know. I have a big belief in those things, in vitamin A and so on. But the big thing is your blood flow. That's yeah. the big thing. And if you eat things that bother you, if you eat things that you're allergic to, if you eat things which are making you sleepy, you know you eat the wrong things, which I do. I must say, I love chocolate. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> but chocolate doesn't love me as much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what, what other um, things can people do in terms of away from maybe the actual exercises that you provide to people. So for example, you use the computer, take yeah. a break, yeah, take yeah. a break, go out of that computer for a minute or two, chat with a friend. Once in a while, look at the distance. If you do the exercise, I suggest six minutes before you start to use the computer, four minutes every two hours. Don't just look at the computer, okay? You uh, you are looking at the computer. Sometimes wave your hands to the side, you know, to um, be aware of the fact that there is a wall, there's a ceiling, there's a there's a, a floor. So you don't strain your eyes, you know. Uh, from time to time, close your eyes and massage around them, or put your hands around them. So you don't just do an exercise, but give your eyes a break right your yeah. eyes are over overused you know that is that is so important and i'll give you a, a funny story about me 
uh, a lot of concentrated concentrated light bothers my eyes. You like, so I was sitting once in poetry reading, and there was a candle in front of me, and I started to squint and move my hands away, and my and one lady says, "The candle bothers you? Just blow it off." So that, and I said, for polite politeness reason, I kept it all the time. I said. Pay attention to what your eyes want. If right now they're tired, go to sleep. Don't kill them. And, you know, I must tell you that many people read texts to the middle of the night because they don't care how their eyes feel. Care how their eyes feel. So that's a big deal. My big tip is they're overworked all the time and the visual brain overworked all the time and becomes frozen. Pay attention to your eyes. That's a big yeah. deal. Yeah, and it's looking at things from a more long-term perspective as well, a longevity perspective rather than people instant gratification all the time. They're always looking just to the here and now and not thinking long-term. And if you're thinking long-term, then you want to protect your eyes because they're going to be so important when you, when you get older. So I, I love that, that you, that you think about it from the long-term perspective. And by the way, it's also true about the body. If you sit on a chair, be comfortable. <laughs> don't sit at the edge. Don't tense your body. You lie down. Lie down and relax. Don't lie down and tense yourself. You know, especially if there's no thought that bothers you or something of that nature, just let go. Don't be in the habit of tensing up. And I think it's very important because we're in a very tense time with very tense society, and things are really bothering us too much, give yourself a relaxed moment. Like I'm giving myself now, talking to this wonderful man. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> you mentioned earlier, briefly, sun, sunlight. With, with direct sunlight, is that a good thing for the eyes? If, if I, for example looked at the sun directly is that going to have a a positive well, that's too strong impact? that i'm against that but if You're you close it. your eyes if you close your eyes yeah and you move your head from side to side shoulder to shoulder then that's a good thing okay i mean there's some native americans that used to look directly at the sun in the morning and they saw several dots in the sky as the sun was rising but you have to have better than 2020 for that. You have right. to have really, really strong eyes because many people hurt their eyes during the eclipse and things of that nature. Yeah. So I would say, no, don't look directly at the sun, uh, but face the sun directly. And if you look directly, blink really rapidly uh, as you move the head in rotating motion to tease the eye, to get more light. What I want you is to not be interrupted by sun shining on something getting the glare means having weak pupils getting the glare means having a macular doesn't absorb the sun well so the ability to absorb the light and that's why we have nice exercise of i take people outside we move the head from side to side facing the sun we go indoors to a very dark room take a glowing ball in the dark which is mildly glowing and throw it from uh, from uh, one to the other. I had one lady who couldn't see the tile in the room, in the dark room. But after doing it for 20 sessions in a row, she was able to identify the greenery of the tile. So she was able to see more in the dark. And more and more people can see more in the dark 
more in the light, they can adjust to the light quicker. You know, the modern person has to take, if you, if I took you to a dark night and walk there, would take you 40 minutes to adjust to the dark of the night. And the ancient person had it differently. They didn't have the lamps we have, right? Yeah. So there was sunset, twilight, dark, and more dark, and the roads adjusted slowly, slowly to everything. We eliminated the work of the roads this day. So being in the dark is so important for us. Just like adjusting to the strong of the sun, it's so important to adjust to the dark of the night. That's how you preserve your vision. How do you destroy your vision? Take some elements of the visual system away from you. The ophthalmologists did it to us very well. There's a big propaganda, wear sunglasses, wear sunglasses. Yeah. I say, say it's like putting crutches. Take the crutches, take the cane. No, you want to adapt to the strong light. About the UV light, okay, uh, you do a little bit less of adjustment in the middle of the day, more in the morning, more in the afternoon. But really, we have a special sunglasses in the eyes. You know, they are the pigments, the melanin pigments, which is important for the skin, we have also in the eyes. And the moment you wear sunglasses, you don't produce enough of it. Not for the eyes and not for the skin. And yeah. they found actually with a couple, uh, couple Aborigine villages in Australia, the ophthalmologists convinced them to wear sunglasses. First time in their history they got sunburn. Because the skin, because there wasn't enough melanin that was evolved for both. Yeah. Also vitamin D. Most of the vitamin D is absorbed through the eyes, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Isn't it a big deal? You know, so Amazing. and vitamin D can prevent cancer. And COVID. <laughs> and COVID. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay, I'm conscious of the time. So the, the way I want to end this this uh, interview is if you could provide the listeners or the audience with three top tips to uh, improve their eyesight or just improve their wellness in general that they could put into practice immediately. So as soon as they finish listening to this, they could put these three things into practice. What would they be? So first of all, I want to tell people if you like the the strength of the wind, just like the expansion that your lungs can have. So number one, breathe deeply and slowly through your nose, in and out, and allow yourself to expand. Number two, massage yourself before you go to sleep. Uh, massage your whole body, massage your uh, uh, your head, and also massage around the eyes. And it doesn't have to be more than one stroke, but it could be also a hundred strokes, you know, that you put pressure and massage. Uh, rest your eyes as much as you can. Adjust the eyes to the strongest light instead of escaping it. And blink. So the idea, we have always this thing we write on our doors here. Breathe, blink, and relax. Okay? So blinking, breathing is important. And I just want you to know something about your blood flow. It is tremendous. And all you want to do is encourage it. So if you loosen up your shoulders, there's more blood flow to your hands. If you loosen up your neck, 
there's more blood flow to your head. If you loosen up your hip joints, there's more blood flow to your feet. So loosening your joints means more blood flow. So breathe, blink, relax, and relax often. If you can sit down for six minutes, breathe slowly, you'll see that your eyes feels much better. And never touch it with force, touch it with ease. Amazing. Love it. Where can the listeners go, Mayor, to find more out about you and how you help people? Where where can they go? So, first of all, come to my website, www.self-healing.org and try to be in our uh, mailing list. I always give messages uh, that people can listen to that could be interesting. Upload our uh, or download our webinars. They'll be wonderful. Please visit my book, Vision for Life. It's also an audible. By the way, if I would take an audible book, it would be this, Movement for Self-Healing. The stories there will bring you laughter and tear to your eyes. How we got a polio patient uh, to not do terrible surgeries like breaking her legs and being able to walk, yeah? And many others. Movement for Self-Healing is a must. If uh, Sorry, Awakening a Power for Self-Healing is a must. 600 exercises, 300 illustrations for all kinds of conditions of life. So take it, work with it. So get to our website, www.self-healing.org. I can't wait for the moment. I can take my plane to Europe or to uh, England as well uh, and work with all you people. But until then, we meet people on Zoom, we have classes, we have webinars, and we can't wait to see you all. And I'm so grateful to you for your interview. You're a very smart interviewer, but on top of it, I'm great, very grateful for your platform. Thank you so much. We always end my podcast in the same way, and that's with a favorite quote. So could you give us a favorite quote just to end the show, please? So... I will return to what I said before. If the, if you think how powerful the wind is, think how powerful your lungs are. They can breathe eight times more than you're inhaling. If you think that the, that the uh, ocean flows well, think about your blood flowing very well. And remember the quote from Therese Berterar, the body has its reason. Your, uh, your, your body is your house, you're the landlord, and a long time ago you lost your keys. I love that. Find them, get back, work with Ali, work with me, and you'll go very far. Thank you so much, Mayor, for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. That's a wrap on another episode of the Kinetic Fitness Show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. Until next time, peace and love.